Hey, it's Doug Parker. Wanted to pop in to let you know why we're releasing the show early this week. It's because of Hurricane Michael. Not in the direct path here in Jacksonville, but we could get some tropical storm type weather that could lead to power outages. So erring on the side of caution. With that said, be safe out there and enjoy the show. This is Cruise Radio. Do yourself a favor and always cruise with travel insurance. You can find a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Disney Fantasy. Sherry is back with Cruise News this week, also answering some of your travel insurance questions. Uh, Dan Skilkin is here with TripInsurance.com. If you want to find out what cruise ships are going where because of Hurricane Michael, be sure to check out our Cruise Radio news feed. It's separate from this. Just type in Cruise Radio News wherever you listen to your podcast from, and you can pull it up there and subscribe. We'll also link it up in the show notes below. Sherry Laskin is back with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Another cruise line has raised gratuities. Who is it this time? This time it's Holland America and beginning with cruises that depart on or after December 1st of this year, Holland America gratuities will increase to $14.50 per person per day if you have an insight, ocean view, or balcony stateroom. And if you happen to be lucky enough to be in a suite, you'll see your gratuities increase to $16.00 per person per day, and for any sailing before December 1st, so you can go up until the end of November, as well as the 2019 Grand World Voyage and the 2019 Grand South America Antarctica Voyage, the gratuities will remain the same at $13.50 per person per day for the non-suite people and $15 for suite guests. It's typical. It happens every couple of years. The last increase was May of 17. And um, it was about a dollar a day for that, except for suites. That was an 11% increase hmm. from the 2015 $13.50 per person per day to the $15. So this next story is heartwarming. Uh, so a couple got married, and then they got robbed on their wedding night. But Carnival Cruise Line stepped up. Talk to us about this. Yeah, this is, this is a very, you know, one of those heartwarming stories. Um, it was a honeymoon couple. They had just gotten married in Miami. And on the night before they were going to depart on their honeymoon cruise, the newlyweds were robbed of their passports, their money, wedding gifts. Even a scrapbook was taken that the bride had been preparing for the past two years. And somehow Carnival's ombudsman and funny man John Held got wind of their plight, and he posted it on social media. And, of course, within minutes, hundreds of compassionate former Carnival cruisers jumped in to see if they could help. Um, The couple was given a complimentary dinner in the steakhouse for the first formal night, as well as a voucher so they can get in touch with their family, um, you know, so they could help facilitate with reporting the theft and getting things to the couple. So Carnival really stepped in, and, uh, you know, I still don't know how John Held found out about it, but I'm sure glad that he did, and, you know, I bet it really made the bride feel good to know that people cared. This is a really great story and so cool to see everyone stepping up. My only question is, I don't have the answer to it. I know you don't either, but how did they get on the ship or how are they going to fly home without the passport? Maybe they work something out with the embassy over in Germany. Who really knows? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that too, but like you said, I don't know. Hey, they're there. They're having a good time. It's all that matters. I actually reached out to the girl on Facebook and asked if we could buy them an excursion or anything. 
just because they were what they went through. And mm-hmm. they said, like, I was the hundredth person that reached out and they're all good. But thank you. So I'm glad they're being taken care of. Yeah, and they sound like a very humble couple, too. Yeah, so to- that's yeah very totally. Nice. And on the subject of Carnival, um, they were recently honored for supporting military members. They were, and it was a special ceremony. Carnival became the first cruise line to be presented the honor flag by the Honor Network. And if you don't know what the honor flag is, it was the flag that first flew over Ground Zero following the September 11th World Trade Center attack. And The honor flag has since been flown over the Pentagon, uh, state capitals, presidential libraries, and things of distinction, and even aboard uh, Space Shuttle Atlantis. So it's clocked a lot of miles since 2001. You know, every time someone touches the honor flag, it's always, it's never touched with the same gloves more than once. Did you know that? I read that somewhere. Yeah. And finally here, it looks like Royal Caribbean trademarked the name of another cruise ship. They have, and according to Matt Hotchberg over at his Royal Caribbean blog, he discovered that Royal Caribbean has just trademarked another possibility for a cruise ship name, and this time it's Metropolis of the Seas, and I, you know, personally, I think someone's been reading too many super, Superman comic books, but anyway, that's the trademark name from this uh, latest check that he made. And in September, he also found out that Royal Caribbean trademarked three other names. They are Eon, spelled E-O-N, Gallant, or Gallant, and Phenom of the Seas. Huh? So, you know, they're getting creative. And, I, you know, after a while, it's probably kind of tough to think up new names. But, you yeah. know, Metropolis of the Seas? Okay, they're small floating cities, right? Yep, that's, so that's, that fits well with their Oasis class, at least. All right, our listener question here comes from Jody. You can email your listener questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Is the NCL sale of free flights really worth it? We normally sail Royal Caribbean, but living in the Midwest, free airfare to Florida might just get us to try Norwegian Cruise Line. Thanks in advance. Well, Jody, um, yes, it could be worth it. However, you know, as always, when these offers come out, no matter what cruise line, there's always a load of terms and conditions that you really have to look at very closely. And I'll just go through some quickies here just to you know, set the record straight a little bit. But first of all, it only applies to guests one and two. So if you were bringing other members of your family, you would be paying airfare for them or reduced air. There's a very short booking window. It began a couple of days ago and will expire on October 16th. So you have to hurry up if you're going to do this. And also, um, it only it's not applicable to the sail away category, which is kind of like a last minute category. It does not apply to studio categories, which means that if you're single, you have to book a regular category and you must pay 200% of the voyage fare in order to qualify. Um, the you know it applies to economy round trips, uh, round trip flights from select departure gateways. But keep in mind and be prepared to go north if you want to go south. Meaning, if you're in the Midwest, they might write, route you up to Minneapolis to get to Miami. Um, and this is how they do it. You know, they'll get the least expensive air routing possible. Again, you can pay extra to deviate from that. And keep in mind, this does not include baggage fees. So, you know, look at it, and it's not every single sailing either. And they do list quite a few. I did check. So, you know, go to their website, have your travel agent go to their website, and find out if the applicable sailings will fit what you need. 
Um, but it can be a good deal, especially if there's only two people traveling. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Standing by now is Dan Skilkin, president of TripInsurance.com, to answer some of your listener questions. Hey, Dan. Doug, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad it worked out because uh, with all these hurricanes out there, are you seeing a spike in travel insurance claims? Yes. In, in fact, we had a lot of customers send us emails uh, wondering whether or not they're covered uh, for cancellation due to the hurricane. And the very first thing that we do when we get a question like that is to actually look at the date they bought the policy and then figure out the date the hurricane was named. Because if you buy the policy after the hurricane is named by the U.S. Weather Service, for instance, or the International Weather Service, uh, the travel insurance industry won't insure you against a loss for that hurricane because they believe it was a known risk at the time you bought the policy. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a, a good reason why you buy your travel insurance within that 14-day period after you've made a deposit on a cruise mm-hmm. so that you make sure that you have the best um, hurricane coverage. Now, one of the questions that comes up that's pertinent to cruise travelers is they'll ask, If a cruise is happening, for instance, in the Caribbean, am I covered for trip cancellation? And this is a tricky issue because a lot of times the cruise companies will actually change the itinerary of the cruise to avoid a hurricane. If they have to, they may cancel entirely and just reschedule the time of your cruise. The problem with some of these policies are actually written where the what triggers whether or not you can cancel is if your destination, your hotel, for instance, is deemed uninhabitable by the cruise. Mm-hmm. But when you're on a cruise ship, your actual hotel accommodations are the cruise ship itself, yeah. which the cruise ship is deemed um, uninhabitable because of, of, a, of a hurricane. And But if the travelers, for instance, have hotel before or after the cruise that's affected by the hurricane, then they would be covered to cancel the entire trip because that hotel may have been deemed uninhabitable. But if they're just on a cruise the entire time and the weather is going to be horrible and the cruise is just avoiding that hurricane, they're not going to really see coverage for a hurricane itself. So if you ever have a question about hurricane coverage itself, you can always send us an email and we can get a direct determination from the underwriter itself, from the actual claims department about coverage or pull up the language from the plan to let you know what, what, what would be covered in that event. Where could someone send an email to? Supportedtripinsurance.com is the, is the best ones to send, uh, send it out to. I read every support email, so I'm up on, on all the questions that come down and make sure that we can get the customer's uh, questions answered as quickly as possible. Also, have a couple of questions here for you, Dan, that are not hurricane-related. Uh, the first one is from Bill. If we are on a cruise and a family member gets hospitalized, would travel insurance cover us to fly back if we had to leave the cruise? Yes. This typically falls under the trip interruption portion of the policy. And there are several um, typical features that are included with trip interruption. For instance, if they have to take the passenger off the cruise ship and, um, and check them into a hospital at a local port, typically the family's um, hotel expenses in that port mm-hmm. uh, are covered as a part of that. 
plus the medical evacuation or getting uh, the family back uh, because of the cancellation um, due to that. There's two things that are covered in the trip interruption portion of the policy. One is that extra cost to get you home up to the limits of the policy, but also the balance of your lost vacation uh, or cruise. So if it got canceled in the middle of the cruise, the second half of the cruise that you're going to miss, that is typically refunded by the travel insurance as well. So one of the features of these policies, if you take a look at them, some of them offer you 100% of the, the declared trip cost as the coverage limit. There's others that go up to 150% or 200% of the trip cost, declared trip cost for the coverage limit. The reason why the insurance companies add this feature is that if the trip is canceled within the first couple of days of the trip, they're going to have to refund the entire cruise. Plus, you've got this extra cost to get home. So you need to make sure that you've got enough headroom in the coverage limits to be able to cover not only the lost portion of the cruise, but also the cost to get home. Now, an absolutely critical portion of uh, to get this coverage feature, you've got to make sure that you're insuring the entire trip. For instance, if you're only buying um, travel insurance coverage just for the cruise, then the travel insurance company considers that the day that you depart on the cruise and the ports you return to on the cruise, that's the insured portion of the trip. You really need to, to insure the door-to-door coverage from your own living room back to your living room so that um, the insurance company uh, will cover also the flights, et cetera. And a lot of times if you're buying your insurance from a third party like tripinsurance.com, you can insure all of your travel arrangements, including the flights to get to the cruise. But if you're buying the insurance from the cruise company, a lot of times you can only insure the travel arrangements you buy from the cruise company. So if you get your airline um, reservations from the cruise company, those are covered typically, but if you're making your own arrangements to get to the cruise, you may not be covered if you're buying straight from the cruise company. Rich has the next question, and he's in the military. So first off, Rich, thank you so much for your service. What constitutes an emergency or being able to use my travel insurance policy? I'm being told deployment orders are not an emergency, and I would lose 75% of the money I paid for my family's cruise if I canceled. Well, Rich, the devil is in the detail in these plans, and you really have to, to read the provisions, the covered provisions for cancellation in the plan itself. Many plans do actually cover revocation of military leave. For instance, U.S. Fire specifically in their plan says they cover revocation of your previously granted military leave or reassignment due to war official written revocation reassignment by a superior or commanding officer of the appropriate branch of service will be required. So they specifically spell out, they will cover you if you're reassigned due to war. But notice they got very specific on that. If what, if it was a reassignment that wasn't due to war, but the typical one uh, is somebody getting sick or a family member getting sick and not being able to take the trip, or you have to stay home to take care of a family member, uh, your home becoming uh, uninhabitable uh, due to a fire, or same with your work, um, um, you, you losing your job if you work for the company for a specific period of time. So there are a lot of different provisions available in travel insurance. 
Um, but this is a, a specific one. If you're in the military, you've got to specifically look at the military coverage portion when you buy the plan. We've been talking with Dan Skilkin from TripInsurance.com. If you want to reach out to them, support at TripInsurance.com. They'll be happy to answer your questions. Thank you, Dan. Doug, thank you. It's always a pleasure. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. Chris and his family just returned from a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise aboard Disney Fantasy. And Chris joins us on the line. How you doing, Chris? Good. Haven't heard much out of Disney Fantasy in about a year or so, so uh, looking forward to your interview today, Chris. You know, as we always do, we'll take a step back and get your pre-cruise thoughts of why you wanted to take this seven-night Western cruise aboard Disney Fantasy. All of the Disney podcasts and the cruise podcasts that I've been been listening to over the past, I don't know, year or so. We were on the Disney Magic mm-hmm. at a San Juan uh, two almost two years ago, and we, we really had a great time. And... So, yeah, we got that onboard credit. So we decided, oh, try the fantasy, try a little bit bigger ship, try the West. That, the first one was the Eastern Caribbean, so, mm-hmm. and this one was the Western Caribbean. And we wanted to try something a little different, but let's still get that, that Disney touch. We're big Disney, big Disney family. Yeah. I've always been growing up as a kid and everything. So You said you took a cruise out of San Juan. So when you were on that cruise out of San Juan, did you book this cruise right here? Um, we booked what's well, called a placeholder cruise. I mm-hmm. think that's what they call it. Um, it's basically you give them two hundred fifty dollars uh, deposit, and then you, which is refundable if you want it, and then it gives you ten percent off any cruise you book in the next two years. So as long as you and then you get a two hundred dollar stateroom credit, it's a pretty good deal. Plus, yeah. if you don't end up going on. Because in two years, you get your 250 back. Win-win. You make your way from Columbus down to Port Canaveral, I guess Orlando, and then Port Canaveral. How was the embarkation process once you got to Canaveral? Um, pretty good, but we did it kind of, uh, the let's say, the, the, the plus way, the luxury way. So this cruise left on September 1st, which is my wife and I's anniversary. Mm-hmm. And we don't usually give each other gifts, but we'll, we'll do little, little surprises or something like that. So we were staying at Disney property for the beforehand, the night before. Um, and I had a, a limo come and pick us up and take us the, the hour hour drive out to the to the port. So, yeah, when you get to the port uh, in a limo, I, I feel like you get a little bit different treatment than if you come just in a taxi or a Disney bus. <laughs> Porters, yeah, were right on top of it. The check-in process was very straightforward. Disney has it very streamlined. I think our check-in, check-in time that I booked online was like 1045. We got there about 11. There was almost no line from curb the ship, how long would you say it took? Probably 30, 40 minutes okay. tops. This is your first time on a larger Disney cruise ship. So what did you think? Like, what were your first impressions when you and the family walked on board? Um, it was, my first impression was it was very familiar. Mm-hmm. So the Magic's smaller, a smaller ship, but it doesn't, the, the fantasy doesn't seem that much larger. Like the atrium's wider. Um, 
But I was afraid that it would be like a lot more walking or like things would be further apart. But they're not really. I think they just have more like drink stations and, and food areas. I think they're just more – they've got more interspersed. So you're still not walking real far to, to get to places. Like I didn't I didn't feel like it was a much bigger ship. It had more amenities, but it didn't seem like it was bigger. Our cruise was also a little less crowded as they were doing – about half of Deck 5 was being remodeled. Okay. So all those rooms were were empty. <laughs> so there was about 500 less people on the boat than than would be, I think, normally is what I was what I overheard cast members and stuff saying. So this was one of those Disney Halloween cruises. Yeah, it was, I didn't know that when I booked it. I booked it kind of early, and then it all of a sudden I'm starting to get paperwork, and it and they just signed it as a as a not so scary or a, or a Halloween on the high seas uh, cruise is what they call it. Um, but yeah, it was a kind of a pleasant surprise and we, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. What kind of stateroom did you book on this seven night sailing? Um, we got a, a veranda room that was on deck six. Uh, I haven't been on any other cruise lines other than Disney. So it's hard to say, like, like I don't really have a comparison there. Mm-hmm. The split bathrooms are, are, you know, extra good for, for a family when you, when you have a wife doing her hair and right. get to, you know, and, and kids getting, getting ready and, in their their way yeah we we really liked it it was always clean the kids love the the bunk beds that that fold down one the couch flips down to the lower bunk and then the upper one kind of folds down out of the ceiling did you find there to be plenty of space in your stateroom for a family of four it gets a little of a pinch point in front of the um the bed the, mm-hmm. the i think it's got like a queen size mattress so. other than that yeah you've got plenty of room to roam around especially with the veranda room makes it feel a lot a lot bigger because, you know, one of your walls is essentially glass. Let's talk about the dining on Disney Fantasy. Of course, Disney Cruise Line known for rotational dining. So we'll start right there at the main dining room. How was that? Um, we we love the dining rooms. Um, we hardly ever, I think we went to Cabana's, the, the buffet one, maybe twice for breakfast, maybe during the whole trip. Um, the dining rooms are, are, are really good, uh, especially the Art of Animation one. Um so there's there's three there's art of animation, Enchanted Garden, and then the oh, I can't remember the Royal Court I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art of animation one is the best. It's very well themed, um, or, or animators palette, not art of animation, animators palette. Um, it's it's themed like you've got uh, canvases on the walls that are actually screens. When you have the dinner there, they, everything is black and white when you walk in, and as you're eating, it slowly kind of changes the color and lights up and. The drawings on the walls start as sketches, and they slowly get fleshed out and colored until they're actual animated cells near the end. You also get the little drawing and placemat where you kind of draw a character, and then they animate it later mm. on on the on the screens. And then, if you've ever been to Epcot too, they do uh, uh, Epcot has got that Turtle Talk with Crush, mm-hmm. where the animated Crush will talk to the kids, and there's somebody working behind the scenes interacting and you know saying your names and what you're dressed as um they do that on the ship uh, in that restaurant as well and the crush kind of swims along to different groups of tables and talks to people and it's it's real neat so you only dined a couple of times in cabanas how was the experience when you went there was that that when you went there um cabanas is good it's just kind of uh we've always found it kind of chaotic there's so many people you know jockeying for the buffet table and the seeds, especially at the especially at the breakfast hours or the or lunch, you just got a lot of people. And with this, with our kids, our kids, my kids are seven and five, and it's just 
a little easier just to sit down and eat and let them bring it to you. And the food's a little bit better, I think, in the dining rooms than it is it is on the buffet table. Yeah. But how was entertainment on the seven night cruise? Entertainment is another like probably Disney cornerstone. Um, you've got the the evening shows, which there's they had three different like Broadway play type shows. Our main one was like Aladdin. That one was really good. They had another one where that what was neat about it too. One of them they had uh, it was kind of like an amalgam of other Disney movies together. And he had Peter Pan in one of them. Well, that same guy who does Peter Pan on the stage mm-hmm. will walk around the ship and be Peter Pan that you could take pictures with and uh, and get autographs for and stuff. So the kind of some of the face characters will be that are in the show will be also walking around the ship doing, you know, doing the the pictures. Um, so I, I found that's pretty neat. And and there's on outside of the shows, there's a plethora of activities that you cannot get to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the characters, especially my kids at my kids age, they love seeing the characters and getting the autograph, their autograph books filled out. And there's, that's the best place to do it. There's very low lines relative to going to the parks and, and getting character autographs and pictures and stuff. Like what kind of special activities do they do on this Halloween on the high seas sailing? So right. Uh, when you walk in the atrium right away, the whole time, the atrium and kind of the the, the the windows in the uh, near the atrium are all kind of Halloween decorated. They've got like jack lantern face uh, is on the um, the windows, and then you've got the main Halloween tree that has pumpkins growing off it. And mm-hmm. um, the atrium is d- dressed up. The rest of the ship is not really Halloweeny, I guess. And then they only do the Halloween activities pretty much the one night. Um, I forget which which exact night that was on our on our trip, but. Yeah, they were. They encourage everyone to dress up, and you can trick or treat around the ship. They've got like six or seven different spots where the where you can get candy. Um, and they got a couple of Halloween activities. You know, they have a Halloween adult costume contest and stuff later on in the in the adult bar section, the district uh, Europa is what they call it. But we found it pretty fun. We dress, you know, like uh, we dressed up as uh, a haunted mansion family, so we we had a lot of fun doing that. So let's talk about the sea days. How were the days at sea as far as crowds and congestion? Um, it wasn't bad. I didn't notice it any worse than the port days. Um, again, the, I think because we had like there were 500 less people in capacity where there you know, should have been because they were remodeling deck five. I think it was a lot better. Um, the only time we the only time that we I noticed it was like the water, the main water slide, the aqueduct that kind of goes around the length of the ship. That would be have a little bit higher weight. You could get a pool chair and walk up to the snack counters and stuff and pretty much any time. There's always space in the pool and stuff like that. So, yeah, it didn't didn't feel overcrowded or anything like that. So this was a seven night Western Caribbean cruise. So give us the ports of call you went to and give us a highlight from each port. Sure. Uh, we went to uh, Cozumel um, was the first one. Um, for that, we just got off the boat and went to um, a private beach. It was like I forget what it was. I think it was like Paradise Beach, mm-hmm. um, but it was just a pool and a beach, and you get the inflatables if you wanted to do that. But we just we just paid the minimum fee and had a bunch of margaritas and a good time. Um, the next one, uh, Georgetown uh, in Grand Cayman. Um, only me and my wife got off on that one. We checked the kids into the kids club. Me and my wife went off, walked around a little bit, had a couple bars, or uh, went to a couple bars, a couple drinks. Um, we found that we found that place kind of expensive for what it was. Um, we didn't do anything else other than that, though. Um, and the last one was Falmouth, uh, Falmouth, Jamaica. 
Uh, my wife and my son went and did a river tubing uh, port adventure mm -hmm. um, through Disney, and they had they had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I stayed on the ship with my five year old, and we just did water slides and pool day and had ice cream and had a had a dad daughter day, and that was so that was fun for us. It was just had another sea day essentially. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and then the last one was uh, Castaway Key, which is the Disney private island. Which is pretty much the closest thing I've been to, like a like a tropical paradise. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a it's basically a tropical theme park. You know, it's the beaches are always well kept, everything's well maintained, and how was the food on Castaway? The food's pretty good. They have two barbecue restaurants. There's three. There's one in the adults only area, um, but that one's a lot smaller. Um, but yeah, they have cookies and cookies too. Um, there's just a barbecue buffet. They've got, you know, ribs and chicken and stuff like that. And it's, it's really good. And they still got the free, uh, ice cream and everything like that on at the, uh, right next outside the uh, restaurant there. You make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was debark? Um, pretty easy, pretty quick. Checked our bags the night before, picked them up and, and got out of the customs was the line was pretty much continually moving. How long would you say it took you from ship to curb? Maybe about 30 minutes. It's a slight wait getting off the ship, like checking out. I don't know if they had a problem with their scanners or what, but, mm -hmm. but that was the only time we kind of paused. You have any first-time tips for anyone sailing Disney Fantasy? Utilize the kids' clubs. Some of the best times my wife and I had were the one-on-one -on -one times we had in in, uh, in Europa, the bar district on the, in the back of the ship. If you uh, like to partake in a few few drinks, that, that's the place to go. It, those are very well-themed, very, very fun. In closing here, your final thoughts of Disney Fantasy. Um, it was a great ship. My family and I really enjoyed it. We would sail it again, but I like to try the other ones too. I want to try the Dream Next, which is the sister ship, and trolling the, the Disney website for a good deal on those. We went on in September. Mm -hmm. The prices drops uh, significantly right after the kids go back in that first week of September. It's you get a two two prong discount of the children back to school and the height of the hurricane season. Yeah. So, so then Disney knows it, so they they discount them a little bit more than you would during the middle of the summer. Cheaper for sure. We've been talking with Chris about his seven-night cruise on Disney Fantasy. Chris, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.